Hey, this is Jimmy Bell. I play guitar for House of Lords, Autograph, and Demons Down, and you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. my partner rena hi rena hi bruce how you doing good how are you, you know, it's all these you modern it's all these modern conveniences here that yeah. <laughs> that's right i didn't grow up in this age i grew up you know i'm 65 years old i didn't even know what a computer was when i went to school so right. that's uh you know well cool thank you for taking the time i appreciate it oh i i i'm very much appreciate you having me on the show thank you so much so I, I mean, I could just jump right in. I've been jamming uh, I Stand all morning long and I absolutely love it. So congratulations on that. What's been the response to it so far? Oh, it's uh, that project is going over huge. It really is. You know, the it's such a funny, uh, I'll tell you the story. You know, uh, Mario from Frontiers had contacted me about doing one of these super groups, you know, that they put together. You know, they have a whole bunch of them. You, I'm sure you, you know all of them. And um, but he didn't really tell me who was in it. So I was uh, he says, you want you want to do one of these things? I said, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to be involved. So, he, you know, he hooked me up with Alessandro Del Vecchio. He's the one that would produce and played keys, wrote the lyrics and everything. Else. So I started sending him songs. And um, and then they told me that Ken Mary and Chuck Wright were going to be in it. And I was floored because, you know, I'm, I've been in House of Lords since 2005 and Ken and Chuck are the rhythm, you know, the original rhythm section from House of Lords. So I right. said, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a blast to do. I always wanted to play with them on something, too. So they kind of kept it a little bit of a secret. And then I. I was just like so happy. And um, and then uh, when I heard, uh, when I started to hear the songs, they sounded great and I didn't even know who was singing. I'm not familiar with James and Francesco, but uh, but my God, they're incredible. Well, you know, for the great guitarists and, uh, um, and James is just the most amazing vocalist. I mean, I, I'm floored with what he's done with these songs. Um, Especially me being a, 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 a big Ronnie James Dio fan. He's got like the power of Ronnie, you know, in this right. similarity, you know. So you jumped in without even knowing who was in the project? Yeah, that's half the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they pieced it together, you know. They 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 contacted me first. Uh, they probably already knew, uh, you know, but they didn't say exactly who was in it right off the bat. They just, they wanted to say, they they hooked me up with Alessandro, who I've known for years, and um, said, well, start sending tracks. So that's what I did. I started sending songs to him. And then slowly, you know, it started coming out who they were looking at and uh, for the other musicians. And I was just, 
thrilled. You know, uh, I couldn't be happier with the way this record came out. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm especially like you mentioned, I stand. Uh, that's uh, one of the tracks that I wrote. Yeah, I don't write lyrics. I only write music, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it just, you know, really came out amazing. Really, really did. I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I've a, I'm a, I have a, you know, I'm older, like I said, and I have a, my influences are, you know, from way back, you know, uh, so among my, uh, my Johnny Winter and my, uh, and Al Demiola, who was my, how was how I learned to do all my speed picking, you know, Richie Blackmore was a huge influence to me. Right. So I kind of like took those three guys and created my own style, but Richie's, uh, musical influence uh really stuck with me a lot i mean uh i love this work with rainbow too as well you know i was a huge fan of all the deep purples all the right. way down uh but then you know even when he when he left and did rainbow uh with ronnie i was just like oh this is great and you know so this almost has um uh you know to me you know uh, you know, I've always dug that tune, Gates of Babylon, that that uh, Rainbow did. You know, it's got the whole Arabian thing. And I yeah. I, I want to do, you know, uh, you know, not copy, but it's just an influence. You know, I, I really like that sound, you know. So it was just something I happened to hit on when I was when I was, you know, writing the song. I said, oh, it's good. You know, I dig it. Rita. Yeah, it's not plagiarism if you just call it a tribute, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how it works. But you right. said you said that uh you don't you don't write lyrics, you just write the music, but do lyrics still matter to you? Does it matter oh. what, what the singers are on about? Yeah, um I, I would say so. Like if I hear something come back uh that I'm not a hundred percent jazzed on, you know, well, I mean that's <laughs> I have two ways of looking at that. I could either be not thrilled with it or, uh, and just live with it. Or if I'm not a hundred percent, you know, I look at it, well, that's on them. I don't write, you know, I didn't write that. So, uh, but you know, you know what I've always wanted to do. You're going to, you're going to, might find this funny is I always wanted to take one song of mine, you know, one musical song and give it to like five different singers and see what they come, what each singer comes back with that one idea, because every singer will have their own interpretation of what that, what their view is on that song. And their own so phrasing that, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Phrasing lyric. So I would find that to be very interesting to hear uh, what each singer comes back with, you know, on the same tune, but I'll tell you uh, that actually happened on this record and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little example. So when I first started, do I have time to do this? Give you an yeah. example? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go, for it. go ahead. Oh, okay. So um, for every House of Lords record I write, I write, uh, you know, out of the, you know, 10, 11 songs that they use, I write, I always write about 15 to 16 songs. There's always extra tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of times uh, James Christian will go back and revisit the ones and say, oh, yeah, I like that. You know, because once he gets set on the, the 10, you know, uh, or 10 or so, and then he, you know, he's got those in his head and anything afterwards that I send, he might not even really listen to because he's all done, you know, and he, does, you know, it's like, well, that's good, but I'll listen to it, you know, some other time. So we always go back and revisit. So what happened is um, I had this tune that's on the, the last House of Lords record we just did, Saints and Sinners. 
there was one track left over from our previous album, New World, New Eyes. There was one particular track that I kept, you know, that I really liked. So I sent that out to Alessandro right away because it wasn't being used. And he wrote this great song on it. Came out phenomenal. Then all of a sudden, I'm doing, you know, keep in mind now, I'm doing three records at the same time. I'm doing House of Lords record, Autographs record, and and uh, the Demons Down album all at once. I'm going to have all these projects going. <laughs> um, so uh, all of a sudden, James James Christian comes back with the song all finished. He goes, I, I took that song from the last thing. And, and I'm going like, you know, a big panic came over me because I didn't know what to do because Alessandro just finished doing this amazing song for the same track. But what James Christian did with it uh, was equally as great. So I, I had to tell him that, you know, and he was, you know, he was all flipping out. He said, Jimmy, this is strong. I want to keep this. So I, I kind of threw it in Frontier's hands. I go, here, both records are coming out on Frontier's. You guys decide. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I mean, it was kind of like, and and they ended up uh, letting James keep this, uh, James Christian keep the song. Wow. Um, so because I was, you know, I was had uh, plenty to send to Alessandro, but uh, it was funny. Both both of them came out great. If you ever heard both versions, it's it's pretty good. How do you juggle all those projects at once? I usually go by the singer. Uh, you know, the band, like what I write for House of Lords and Demons Down is nothing what I would write for Autograph. Autograph is more straight ahead rock and roll, uh, you know, um, that that vibe. And I always look at the singer like Simon uh, uh, is a totally different singer than uh, what James Christian or or I, of course, like I said, I didn't even know what uh, what uh, James uh, from Demons Down was going to sound like. Uh, until I heard him, uh, the the final mixes of uh, the I Stand record. And uh, man, I was blown away. So, but I like to write for the singer. Usually if I get involved in a project, I'll listen to what the band's doing first, you know, the vibe of music that they're doing. And then I listen to the singer's range. It's very important to me to um, always try to write something that will uh, complement what he's doing. You know, I, I wouldn't try to, push a melodic rock song onto Simon, even though he, he would probably be able to do it, but it's not really what autograph was about, you know? So, right. so I try to keep in the genre of the music that whatever the band's doing. They're sort of more anthemic, right? Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's a different era, different time. Oh yeah. You know, that's what it is. House of Lords. I was just thinking when you're talking, I remember, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Gene Simmons on board in the beginning of House of Lords? Yeah, Gene Simmons. Uh, Gene Simmons signed them in the early days. That was the first three. They were they were on his label, the Simmons rec, uh, label, which was uh, part of RCA. See, my metal knowledge is pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> kicking ass. You're kicking ass, my friend. That's good. Yeah, no, you were right. You're right on the money. And um, there's actually some uh, TV shows. I you could find them on YouTube that that they're on uh, performing live with the original lineup with Greg Jafria and everybody mm -hmm. and Ken and Chuck and Laney. Um, but, uh, and Gene Simmons is, is in the audience because the guy makes it a point to say, look at Gene out oh, there in course. the audience. So like a proud Papa, you know? Right. So, um, 
so yeah, I mean that was a a, a pretty cool you know thing for them. I I remember hearing uh, James Christian is from where I'm from. I'm from Connecticut. Okay. So uh, James Christian was from here. He played in a uh, a band called Eyes. They were a local band. They did they did originals and cover music. Um, and they you know they played the circuit. They probably did more covers so they could work. You know, uh, and I was in a band called Joint Forces, which is the band that toured with Joan Jett, and then we did the movie with the Michael J. Fox movie with Joan and everything. And we were all original, though. So we took the chance. We took the leap and went all original. And But we went over really huge. Um, so James knew of me. I knew of James and everything. But James, you know, finally um, had went out to California. And um, and that's when uh, the whole thing, I, I remember him telling me that he was down to his last few dollars because uh, he went out there to tr see what he could do. And uh, it got to the point where he, he wasn't sure he was maybe going to have to come home. Uh, and then that's when the House of Lords thing came about. He nice. got a chance to audition for that. So Just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Rena? Well, that's, I'm going to go back to the whole, like, I am taking the singer's range into account when I write music. How fucking thoughtful is that? <laughs> <laughs> I always think about everybody else other than me. <laughs> no, no you got to really. No, you you really got to. You have to think about that, uh, Rena, because uh, honestly, um, if you try to write something out of, uh, let's put it this way, if uh, something real complicated, like supposing I'm going to give you a, a mental, I, you know, scenario. I mean, what if I was to write a song like something like Rush? And tried to give it to autograph, you know, it just, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work, you know? So right. you got to look at, you got to look what the band is doing and what, where his vocal range is. That's very important. Like you, you listen to where he sings, you, you check certain songs that he already recorded and where you think he sounds the best, you know, that's the other thing you want you want to find keys that you've heard him sing before and where his where he sounds his best at, you know, you always try to give a good product. And I, I you know, I'm I'm very easy to work with. So uh and and listen, I've written songs where uh, uh you know if they don't like them, they don't like them. I not, not everything I, I write is gets accepted. You know, I, I just write I write so much though, it's like uh you know I didn't have my own recording studio forever. I, I always uh I only got it uh, just over a little over a year or so ago right. because of, um, uh, you know, because I did all my recording with uh, over at uh, BJ Zampa's house uh, from House of Lords. He lived 10 minutes away from me. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, so that was that worked out uh, very well. So I didn't need even have it. But once I started, once he got uh, started playing with Doc in full time, um, I went into, you know, I had to get my own studio thing happening and that's where we, uh, that's how this ended up. But since I've had this, I've got well over 200 songs just sitting here in this computer. Oh, really? I just write all the time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well over 200. I've got, you know, if, if there was another autograph album, uh, I've got enough for three albums, you know, cause I, I title like each song you know, who it's for, who it might be good for. Gotcha. So autograph, uh, like when I'm labeling songs, it'll say uh, like auto 
And then I'll write what key it is, tempo and, you know, that type of thing. Or House of Lords will be H-O-L. I'm even like, you know, you, you might laugh laugh because of, because <laughs> uh, 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 you know, I'm, I I like country music, but not, not hokey pokey country. I'm talking like the modern stuff like Keith Urban and stuff, you know, because it's real rock. Right. It's not country music isn't what it used to be. It's it's heavy. They use drop tunings. They use everything. It's like really heavy. And uh, and I even loved, you know, when Shania Twain was uh, married to Mutt Lang, you know, Mutt, Mutt, here we are, you know, produced ACDC and Def Leppard everything. And then he, he brought that vibe to Shania Twain and gave gave her a whole new it type was so of big. Rock. Yeah, her sound became huge, like really cool rock song, almost rock country. So I've, I've been working with this um, uh, this uh, this country rock girl named Elena Ray, and uh, I just started doing some stuff. But I've already sent her 22 songs, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, she needed uh, she wanted some material. And uh, I wish I wrote lyrics because now she's got like 22, 23 songs she has to write lyrics to. You know, but she liked musically. She loves everything I send her all the time. So, uh, you know, that's one of those things. It's, you know, if I could say what it's like, I would say it's a cross between Keith Urban, Shania Twain and ACDC. That's what I send her because I'm a I'm a huge ACDC fan. They're my go to band. If I want to get happy, I put on ACDC. That's what I listen to. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Works like the exact opposite for me. I think they're the most overrated band on the planet. <laughs> I'm probably going to get so much hate for this, but I'll take no, it. I'll take no, it. no. I'm standing behind my No, no one's going to no one hates you for your own opinion. This is this is a whole new world, honey. You have <laughs> you have a right to hate whoever you want. This is not like the old days, you know. It's right. like you know, everybody has their own what they like. I, I'll tell you what I love about, uh, you know, if we're talking about ACDC for a second, what I love about ACDC and always have loved about ACDC, I, I'm a very simple writer. I like songs that, you know, I don't do anything with crazy beats and, uh, you know, real complicated sections and everything. It's my songs are, even the stuff I write for House of Lords or Demons Down is pretty straightforward. I like anything I could tap my foot to. So every time I would listen to an ACDC song, I'd be going like this. You know, everything is just like that straight, right. you know, at different tempos. But uh, it's always that straight ahead rock in your face thing. So that's what I think really um, makes me like them a lot. But, hey, I'm not holding that against you. <laughs> nice. Thank you. To me, it's just the same song over and over again. You well, they, <laughs> Angus Young said it. Angus Young said it himself. He says, uh, "He says people said we've we've written uh, uh, ten albums of of the exact same songs." And he says, "I disagree. We've written eleven albums of the exact same songs." <laughs> right. Boom! All right. But so they're laughing all the way to the bank, right? Oh my God! Yeah. Well, you got look at here. Can I? Let, let's just talk about this for one second. So you had all these '80s bands. House of Lords got caught in that too. You know, uh, you have all these '80s bands that got crushed when nirvana came in when seattle music came in right. and and that whole thing unless you were huge like motley crew or poison or something like that you got crushed acdc was a band that survived yes. they survived uh throughout that whole thing so um you know and, why and amongst others you know why because they were on an island <laughs> yeah yeah they were in australia yeah they were 
but I'm still, such yeah. an idiot. I'm sorry, <laughs> but like you know, pandemic joke. <laughs> no, it's 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 uh, it's absolutely true. But you know, you look at all the uh, the great bands that we that we lost, and um, well, we didn't really lose them because honestly, that's the reason. Like House of Lords went over to Europe and toured a lot because over in Europe, those people love all of that music. Still, like the '80s music is. So huge for them over there. When every time I've went to Europe on tour, I, I have to say the uh, you know the audience is so open minded to whatever is being played there. So I'll give you an example, like the same crowd that would come see House of Lords playing some ballads and everything will be at a, a death metal a death metal concert. You know, like you know, real head banging, right. slamming thing. They just love music over there, no matter what genre it is. You know. I, this is just fucking hilarious to hear that you're sort of lumping Europe into this like big thing that just has a cohesive behavior pattern. I'm here in Finland. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a Finnish girl and I can tell you that we were fucking famous for like loving a gig and then just like standing there like this throughout the whole thing like this is the best <laughs> shit i've ever seen but i'm not gonna move a fucking muscle <laughs> well that's funny that's funny because i'll tell you we we've played some some of the shows that house of lords played you know especially in germany i'll never forget because i i witnessed this uh you know we're playing one of house of lords big ballads love don't lie and there's these big German guys standing in front of me going, love, don't lie, you know, with his <laughs> fist in the air. And I'm going like, I, I'm looking at them. And they don't look like they would be doing, you know, like doing this to a ballad, but they're right there in the front going like, you know. So I said, there's something to be said about this, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. Like, you know, because this is what I mean about lumping the whole thing together. Because definitely, like, Germany is a great place to play a live show they're really really into it totally especially I if love, you have black feet and pig masks they're gonna love you but I, <laughs> I love finland i played in finland several times i didn't know you were oh, from really? there yeah that's cool hustle yeah. lord has played there many times so that's freaking great so demons down any chance of taking it on the road or is it i i, I absolutely want to take it on the road i would do anything for that band to go on the road i mean I've already put it out there to the guys because, uh, you know, I'm so blown away with the record. I just said, guys, and, and it's not if it was just my personal uh, love for the record, it'd be one thing. But, I, you know, ever since I've posted, I stand uh, like, uh, you know, on my social media pages or, or any of the other songs. Um, I um, all all the comments have been like nothing but. 100% positive. I've had people telling me that this is the best project I've done in my whole career. And I'm going like, in my whole career? <laughs> nice. You know, I, I go, you're, well, I, I said, I played with Geezer Butler. I said, you know, and all these other things. I said, so you're, you really think this is, uh, when they said, no, this is one of the best things. We just love this. So who am I to say, you right. know? I think it's funny at 65 years old, people are telling me this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> That's great, though. Still being relevant is awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. I might, you know, it shows that I'm I'm not too old to do stuff, you know, as long as I uh, as long as I'm playing guitar, I'll play as long as I can, you know. Right. 
exactly yeah no definitely not too old there's no such thing just no. fucking do it you know like go do the thing does it like yeah. don't ask people whether it's okay people are stupid just you know do do it <laughs> you know? yep yeah yeah i just you know i i if you ever knew how much i mean in my early days how much i played guitar nonstop. but guitar was one of these things when i when i find i played a lot of instruments before i played guitar I had a drum scholarship from age 10 to 13 and uh, well, I was jamming with some guys here at my house, you know, uh, um, and they, the guitar player left his guitar here. He left it out of the case and just leaning against the amplifier. This is the seventies now. Uh, so I picked up his guitar after they left, I turned the amp on and it was this old big muff fuzz box uh, that, that was that I wish I had because it would be worth a fortune. But um, I turned that on and I started playing some, now I'm left-handed and that was a right-handed guitar. So I'm playing the guitar upside down and uh, I'm hitting all these things and I've just start, my mind starts going and I'm going, Oh my God, I love this. I love it. I, I freaked out so bad that within, within two weeks, I dropped my drum scholarship I had and had to have a guitar. That's how the guitar took me over that, that quick. So I had to get, uh, I, I had the first, I had a, uh, an acoustic that was strung, that got strung lefty for me, but then I had to move right to an electric. So, um, and the guitar never left my hand. When I tell you, as soon as I, uh, as soon as I started going that I played guitar day, night, day, night, 24 hours a day. When I went to school, when I, even when I went to school, cause I was in school, I would get up and practice my guitar to the very last second before I had to go to school. And then I, as soon as I got home, I would not do homework. I would practice guitar until I had to go to, uh, go to bed. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up graduating high school by the skin of my teeth. About 50 <laughs> years later, I you're still making homework. killer music. Right. Cause I think. Yeah, I'm yeah. Still, all this explains like I, how you're where you are right now and why why you're still making the best stuff you've made. You know. Well, you know, it's it's just weird. You got to have, uh, you know, guitar playing. You got to uh, any music mu music music uh, musical instrument you you pick up. You have to have a love for it. It has to like really. You have to be really taken by it. Uh, you know, I I used to teach guitar. Very frustrating to teach. I'm not a very good teacher because of the fact that I'm self taught. I'm, I, I pretty much learned guitar with the exception of maybe six something or six lessons. I all everything I learned on a guitar was simply from me sitting down and playing and playing and playing and trying things. Um, so when people uh, wanted to learn what I do, you know, my picking technique and everything, it was like I just don't even know how to show somebody. I couldn't I somebody that's been playing for a little bit. I could probably show them a few things. But somebody that was not advanced, like a beginner or something, forget it. I wouldn't even know how to teach a beginner. You know, it's like it's just, you know, one of those things. But, it, you know, you have to have the love for it and, and the passion to play. And when I was teaching, there were some people, uh, you know, uh, that I felt bad for that really wanted to play. But they just had no musical gift. Mm -hmm. And I and I I actually got to the point where I would not. I, I told them I, I didn't want to, I, you know, I would, I didn't say I didn't want to teach you. I would make some other kind of excuse because I did not want to take their money for lessons because uh, I, I, I was guilty about that, knowing that they would never achieve the next part of it. You know, I, 
I, I don't know if that was a smart thing to do because I everybody needs money, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want it's to take honest somebody thing anyway. It's, yeah, it's it was honest. I didn't want to just too. keep taking from them and and saying, yeah, yeah, you're going to get this, you know, and then just sitting looking at the clock and you right. know, going, okay, now see you next week. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't take it. Uh, but yeah, you have to. And and here's the thing about uh, when I grew up playing guitar. Um, you know, I, like I said, I started late 13, early 14. There was no such thing as computers, YouTube, any of that stuff. Kids nowadays, young guitar players nowadays, they want to learn something. They go to YouTube, they type it in. There's a million guitar players showing you how to play this note for note, everything. When I was trying to learn, uh, uh, a deep purple song off a of machine head, I had to keep taking the record needle and putting it back back and forth trying to get it without slowing it. and I couldn't slow it down. Right. So I was trying to figure out what Richie Blackmore was playing. Uh, and then, so I, I, you know, I wrecked records doing that. Finally cassettes came out. So then I said, Oh, this is great. I could go back and forth with the forward rewind, forward rewind, you know, yeah. you know, just kept going back and forth on that one spot. But um, it still didn't slow it down so I could actually hear what was being played. So, you know, uh, my ear training got very good, uh, but what was even more important than anything is that I developed my own style of guitar playing because of this. Because I wasn't able to copy things exactly note for note, I, I would take things and create something that kind of sounded like it. Uh, so from that point, you, you get to really, you start building your own style of playing. And that's what's important. You don't want to be like, you know, that's why I purposely, uh, throughout my guitar playing years, uh, of course, I was around before Ingve was around. Right. But when 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 Ingve came out and everybody started jumping on the neoclassical bandwagon, you know, doing the harmonic minor scales, diminished, uh, sweeping arpeggios. And right. I stayed away from that because that everybody that was going in that direction all sounded like Ingve, And it was just like, it you definitely know, was a trend. Yeah. Yeah, it was a trend. So, and you're not going to be, you're not going to get recognized for that. There's, there's Ingve, and that's it. You know, Ingve mm -hmm. started this. You're always going to get paired, compared to to him, even if you're doing it amazing. If you're, if you're treading on the neoclassical thing, and even if you're the most amazing guitar player, there, people are going to say, "Oh, that's you sound. That's like Ingve, or you sound like Ingve." That's a very difficult thing to deal with. You know, if you don't have your own identity. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You, you know. That was the one thing back in the 80s uh, when uh, I was interviewed for Guitar Player Magazine. Uh, I was in this column called Spotlight. It was in Guitar Player Magazine. I'll never forget it because the gentleman, Mike Varney, who used to run the column, you know, used to do three kind of unknown players. Mm -hmm. And um, a, all of them would always say, he would always do a description and he would always say, kind of sounds like, you know, similar sounds very similar to this. Sounds very similar to that. Right. And me, when I, my my thing, it was I didn't sound like anybody. He says he's got this amazing right hand. He didn't compare me to anybody. I was just like, that was great. That's beautiful. Hey, I hate to do this, but we're running up against time in the uh, in the Zoom here. I keep hearing that. I thought we could go as long as we want, but no. Okay, what do you want to talk about, real quick? Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh man, Perfect. if you if you got more questions. 
Please uh, book another one. We, I like we doing could have things. gone on for like easily an hour, but the next one is like already waiting for. Yeah, two we can do this again for sure because it was a great conversation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, no. There's so much you didn't even hit on. You know, the my my uh, my stuff with Ozzy and playing with Geezer and the Joan Jet stuff that I did and everything. If you don't There's mind, so I'll hit I'll hit John up again and we'll do something else. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's let's do, let's like do it for episode. sure. I want to do another one. Awesome. I appreciate Sequel it. time, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do another. I appreciate it. I'll hit John up as soon as I'm done today. All right. Wonderful. Yeah, let's book another. All right, man. Thank you, my He's friend. Brilliant. Be safe. Be well. Super lovely talking to you. See you nice, later, dude. Nice too. Take nice. care of yourself, honey. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye, dude. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.